Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. And today we're discussing album number... <laughs> I forgot. It's going to be a fun journey. 18. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks again for joining us. Today we're discussing album number 18 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 Album List. This is Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan. Ooh. One of one of our favorites, and this get out your slide whistles, kids. Dust them off. Yeah, um, uh, tune up your guitars, uh, <laughs> and then tune them down, and then tune them down. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, th- this was you know this is an interesting one, Ben, because we have yeah. reviewed this previously. This was number four on the original list, so this is yep. back over um, over two years ago. No, when did we start? Yeah, two years ago. No, we started beginning of 2019, so this this was... Not quite two years ago. Yeah, almost two years ago when we first started yeah. our project, this was one of our very first reviews. We were still... I think I think we can both say, Ben, since we started, you and I have listened to a lot of music we hadn't heard before. Yes. And we've learned a whole lot about uh, genres, artists, history. Um, I feel like I've learned a whole lot. So I think that... I might listen to this with a bit different ears now because when we listen to this, um, I was not familiar with Bob Dylan. And now we've listened to four albums. I think that's right, yeah. So if anything, I think I understand him a little better. That being said, (laughs) this was a real struggle for me. And one of the things that turned me off so much on this album was I felt like the... For an album that came out in 65, the same time that Beatles released Rubber Soul, the same time, you know, a year before the Beach Boys did Pet Sounds, you've got this guy who's very well known and, and a, a prominent songwriter releasing an album that just sounds like they threw all their guitars in the back of a pickup truck, drove around the block and came out and just played them however they had tuned to like it's just the <laughs> they're out of tune the mixing's weird and and it really threw me off and there's a lot of people who have commented since then been saying that they really enjoy this album that it's one of the most important yeah. ones one of his best and uh, I really got hung up on some of those technical aspects even some of the structures of the songs you know just long you know yes. like seven yes. verses and it's just I you know I, again, I think that I would have a little more understanding for it now. Uh, however, <laughs> it was really hard to ingest, and it felt very strange for us to be listening to that and Rolling Stone magazine telling us this is the fourth best album ever. Yeah, uh, that yeah. was challenging. So um, I don't know. Has your opinion on it changed at all, or the way you would approach it? I'd be curious, you know, if if this was if we were starting the 2020 list from scratch, and our first Dylan album was situated here, um, at number 18, 
and this is what came on when we pressed play. I don't think we'd be quite as hard on it. Um, I think there was this huge hang-up for me that, that this sort of eccentric sound could be one of the four greatest albums of all time. Like, I think I had this, like, reservation for the top five especially, that these were just going to... I wasn't going to ever... Um, I'd, I'd press play and immediately know why it was picked as one of the greatest albums of all time. And that didn't happen. And right. um, and when, and so it was jarring, I think. I, I, I think I was so hard on it because I expected perfection. And Dylan's not great because he's perfect. <laughs> and that's, um, that's, that is brilliant, Ben. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's brilliant. So, yeah, I, I think I would be kinder to it now. I still, I, this is probably my fourth favorite Dylan album of the, of the four that we tackled. So, and I, I you know, maybe that would also soften us slightly if, um, I didn't have that, such a hard time with it the, <laughs> the first time. Maybe I would find the the, the uh, idiosyncrasy is a little bit more charming and and less jarring. Um, but I, I, you know, off mic before we pressed record, we're like, what is what is even on this album again? You know, and like, there's similar to the uh, the Rolling Stones album that we recently reviewed. I think there's um, something in this music specifically for both of us that makes it uh, not dig itself in and. <laughs> And have a lasting impact or lasting effect. It's just maybe not for us, uh, sadly, uh, you know. Um, but but that's okay, right? Everyone has their own oh yeah tastes and, and things like that. Um, I have Chris Clement's voice in my head right now. Uh, you know, I I think he's done a lot to help me appreciate Dylan. You know, just basically based on his love and. Um, and I think I see the artistry and the, the value of Dylan a whole lot more. I, but the thing that I think always uh, sticks with me as well is that there, there are lots of artists who've done better renditions of Dylan songs uh, than Dylan ever did. And <laughs> that piece, you know, that, that maybe, he's, um, maybe he's a better songwriter than he is a... Uh, an, uh, performer, uh, especially perhaps a studio performer. Um, right. Uh, I don't think any, I don't think I'd ever be able to say I don't like Dylan's songwriting. I think he is absolutely a genius and great in that regard. Hmm. Well, it, it, if nothing else, it's been interesting to think about this again because we were yeah. fairly, uh, harsh in our judgment <laughs> initially but it's it's also shows what really doing a deep dive and we didn't do a deep dive but but we certainly have listened to a lot more dylan since yes, this yes. and, and it, that can really help at least understand an artist and where they're coming Absolutely. from um, one more thing I, you know we yeah. just recently talked about kanye's my beautiful dark twisted fantasy album and i think we both you know I don't remember if we said this overtly on the recording, but we definitely talked about it beforehand that we appreciate Kanye as a producer, but are kind of indifferent about when he's actually on the mic hmm. singing or, or rapping. Right. Um, 
I wonder if that's a good category to stick Dylan in as well. Like, he's brilliant. He's an incredible artist. He understands how to craft. Um, but I'm kind of indif- indifferent when he's the one on the mic. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know if we said this any of the times we've reviewed a Dylan album, but in some ways it's really impressive that someone who doesn't have a brilliant singing voice or even perhaps maybe not even a good singing voice Mm -hmm. is one of the most prolific musicians of all time. Absolutely. Uh, That's, that's actually very impressive. And how do you do that? Um, You know, he's, he's more popular than perhaps some of the people with some of the best singing voices ever. Uh, So, you know, that says something about his ability to create songs not just sing them, but create songs to perform them uniquely and to uh, tell stories that are engaging. So he's not just a grifter, like tricking everyone, huh? <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so anyways, I think uh, I'm learning to understand Dylan better, but this was yeah. still yeah. A, a little bit of a challenge for some of the reasons. Um, we hope you'll stick around in just a few minutes and listen to our previous review of this album. It was one of the very first ones we did, so bear with us. Uh, The recording quality is not quite at the level it is now. We hope you'll stick around for that and join us next time when we do another brand new review of Kendrick Lamar's 2015 album, To Pimp a Butterfly. And our newest album up until last time was... uh, Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy from 2010 but then this will become the the most recent album we've reviewed so far yeah I'm looking forward it's really interesting to have Dylan sandwiched between these two (laughs) well they're they're, all three of them are uh, are poets right absolutely we hope you enjoy and um, you'll be able to hear our classic review of Highway 61 Revisited coming up right after this When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. And today we are discussing number four, album number four on the Rolling Stone's Top 500 album list, which is Highway 61 Revisited by Bob Dylan. Did you think we'd make it this far? I was hoping we would make it at least this far, maybe maybe to album five. So we're we're one away from my goal. It feels like we're cruising. I was thinking it was going to be a bumpier first start. No, it's going really well. And uh, we have actual subscribers now, which is wonderful. Uh, people have been uh, fairly timid about sending us their comments and 
remark, so hopefully that means they're enjoying it. Or maybe it means they've just subscribed and they're not listening. I don't know. One or the other. Or it means they only got five minutes into the first episode and turned it off. Right. But hopefully not. Um, so, I don't know. You and I grew up together. I know your musical tastes a little bit, and I think I know the answer to this question. Had you, had you listened to this album before we started this project then? No, I never did. Uh, my collection has never included a Bob Dylan... Uh, record in physical copy there was a point at some point when i downloaded a few of his albums just thinking you know anyone who likes music is supposed to at least wrestle with bob dylan right and they generally stayed unplayed which is which is something i'm sure we'll talk more about during this podcast what about you no i had not listened to this album and also i i have no Bob Dylan records in my collection, no albums, and yeah, I also felt that, oh, I should probably get into him at some point. He's, he's an artist that I'm supposed to, as a music lover, and as someone who loves rock and the history and the evolution of it, I'm, he's someone that I should be very familiar with, I should have his albums, right. I should know the chronology of his music and how he's inspired, and I've just never really gone there, and uh, maybe we'll discuss why that is. And I, I want to say, too, that when I looked at the track listing of this album, I, the only one that was familiar to me, both in the name of it and listening to it, was uh, Like a Rolling Stone. So I don't know if I should be embarrassed by that or or if it just shows that this is uh, an album and an artist that I've just hasn't been relevant so far and just haven't gone near it. And I don't, I don't want that to put a shadow on the listening because I, I don't think that's ever fair. But, but no, it's just not... I'm listening to this pretty much with Virgin Ears. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. The first song was the only one I'd ever... I'm pretty sure the only song I've ever heard before. Um, I even took a look at like uh, the Dylan's Greatest Hits album. And, you know, there are like songs that I sort of recognize and a few songs that I definitely know. But for a Greatest Hits album, I know... F- not many of them it almost makes me wonder if um there was something about the era we grew up in where his music just wasn't being given frequent radio time we listened to a lot of classic rock radio uh especially picking sweet corn together you know aside from like a rolling stone i i don't have many memories of uh maybe mr tambourine man would would come on occasionally Uh, but yeah it's it's interesting and it'll be interesting to to go through something that both of us are so unfamiliar with that's right, and and Bob Dylan is one of those artists who just has a massive uh, catalog of music. Has produced so much music over the years, and and may still be producing at this at this point in history. Uh, so it, I can't think you can get a little lost, and it, if you're not a a big fan in Dylan, you know it would be easy to say, "Oh, I haven't heard that album yet." So maybe we don't have to feel so bad about it because there's so much of it. Uh, yeah, it feels sacrilegious to say that we might not like it but we'll we'll save that till the end too don't let the cat out of the bag (laughs) Uh, i want to give some details as we always do this album was released august 30 1965 and and i want to point out now and the next album we talk about the first five albums at least um and it'll change a little bit but the first five albums are all released between 65 and 67 wow. two in it, think about that in two years you have the first five albums on this list of 
500 albums that span over 40 years. The top five are only written in a two-year span, so I'm not going to say what that means. I mean, it, I think it means that this is a very specific... <laughs> this list is kind of centered in a very specific type of music, a very specific genre, and a very specific uh, era. And I think that when we get into more of the album and see kind of what comes along later in the list, we'll see that the heart of the people who created this list, rather the heart of the list, is, is kind of rooted in a specific spot. And as I've been looking at the dates and thinking about the first few albums and how they're kind of wrapped around each other, that this kind of just pounded that home that, uh, yeah, this, this list, although it gets a little more diverse, really is kind of rooted in, in one specific thing. Yeah, and I, I guess it shouldn't be terribly surprising. The first list came out in 2003, and then it was re- revised in 2012. It's a pretty good chance that the, the music writers that they were polling for these two uh, Rolling Stones greatest album lists were uh, baby boomers or maybe the oldest of the Gen Xers. Um, so they, they're, you know, their prime would be the 60s, yeah. 70s. It yeah. takes all the way to, I think, number 17, Nirvana's Nevermind, before we get something uh, that's newer than the 70s. And even as you go on, uh, it, there isn't very much outside of the 70s. And you get a little more, a little more in the 80s, some in the 90s, and then they put in some from the 2000s. But yeah, no, it's, I, I think you're right. That That's the, the people who created this and something wrong with that but it it just kind of paints a picture well maybe there is something wrong with that oh <laughs> i mean uh, maybe there's something wrong with that more than more than baby boomers listen to music we'll get the, we'll we'll get there and you know i i'm i'm excited to get into a lot more albums when we get in you know 10 20 30 and can kind of look back at it and right make, make those comments maybe a little more with a little more education and experience. But I think what um, this album in particular is reminding me is that even though I consider myself to have a pretty strong sort of pop music, rock music history knowledge, there's still so much out there that I have for sure no idea about, including some of the most popular stuff. So that's right. This is a good thing. I think that, it, that, you know, there's an album here that we're brand new to. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, that's another thing I'm excited about the list is there's a lot I haven't heard, and uh, it's exciting to listen to new music. What, what can you tell us about the album details? Well, the whole thing was written by Bob Dylan, and this is the first album that's done by a solo artist. He wrote the whole thing. There's no other credit given in the writing. It charted, uh, went up to number four in the UK and number three in the U.S., so it wasn't a number one album. was certainly very high. To date, it's been certified uh, in a few different countries, uh, and the grand total is 1.15 million copies, uh, and probably more than that uh, if you go into other albums. Given that we don't have much prior knowledge to this, uh, you know, I, I flipped through a few places this afternoon, and this paragraph from Wikipedia stood out to me. I think it's a pretty good summary, not just of... Uh, how the press reacted to the songs, but also a little bit about how our feelings might be as we're, as we're listening to this with new ears. Um, so it says, in the British music press, initial reviews of Highway 61 expressed both bafflement and admiration for the record. New musical express critic Alan Evans wrote, 
another set of message songs and story songs sung in that monotonous and tuneless way by Dylan, which becomes quite arresting as you listen. The Melody Maker LP review section by an anonymous critic commented, Bob Dylan's sixth LP, like all others, is fairly incomprehensible, but nevertheless an absolute knockout. So I, I don't know. I think that's just that's perfect. I think as I was listening to this for <laughs> the last few weeks, I was thinking like, wow, this is strange. This is not always in tune. I don't always understand what he's saying, but I can tell there's something here, and there's something here that obviously has resonated with people since it was released. I agree, and I really resonate with these comments that there's some things about it that I go, that is awful. <laughs> And there are other things where I go, oh, I really like that. Yeah. And you put them together and I'm not, it took me about four or five listens all the way through to kind of go, okay, now it's catching on me. But up until that, I just, I, and I kept trying like, okay, this is number four on the list. There must be something in here that I'm supposed to really, really like. Yeah. And it, it took me a while. There are a few tunes that we'll discuss. There are a few tunes that I really, really like the melody. I like the lyrics. I like the feel of it. But, well, I don't really like his performance of it or or this guitar is way out of tune on it. So yep. I'm not supposed to like that thing, but I kind of like it. So, it, it, yeah, it's this tug and pull kind of back and forth of – and maybe that's why it's so beloved that, that it, it is challenging and it's different and it doesn't – Bob Dylan's saying, ah, it doesn't have to be perfect to be really good. One of my friends in college, uh, he would he would often say that he wasn't sure that he actually had a specific genre or sound of music that he liked. He'd just buy an album and put it in his CD player in his truck. And after a few weeks, he'd enjoy it. He was it was because it became familiar. Oh, <laughs> and he claimed that he could he could do that with anything. He'd just put it in, listen to it enough times, and all of a sudden he'd be humming along. And uh I wonder if that would be the case for this album. Uh, a few times through, I'm still sort of in that awkward, I don't know what I'm listening to phase, but maybe I just got to keep playing it and see where it takes me. Should I send you my old Biff Naked albums and test the theory? <laughs> uh, I probably haven't heard the name Biff Naked since I made fun of you for getting those albums. <laughs> well, that's that's what this podcast is for. <laughs> Memories. Memories. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the album cover yeah very simple it's a picture of mr dylan sitting uh looking kind of cockeyed his his normal quaff of hair um he looks holding what looks like sunglasses which is fairly iconic for him those big black shades and that's about it um when i look at this the thing i think of right away is number one boy he's he looks so young and he was young he was 23 or 24 uh, when they were making this album so very young it was a sixth album at 24 which is pretty impressive amazing and when i hear his voice even on this album i do not think of a 24 year old man yeah uh it it sounds i've always felt like bob dylan was old and i know that's weird and i know people who grew up with him would be like oh what are you talking about but when I hear his voice, and certainly being younger and not really knowing much about artists necessarily, you know, you're just hearing things, he sounds like an older man, whether that yep. was intentional or whether that was just the way he sounded or whether he, you know, was just always smoking, uh, which is also probably true. Yep. He doesn't sound and he doesn't write 
like he's a 24 year old guy there's a uh, uh, sort of blues folk uh, singer that I listened to for a period of time called William Elliot Whitmore okay uh, who sounds like he's like 85 but he's a young he's our age a young guy and uh, oh like 22 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> born in born in 1982 whenever I would listen to him I'd think about Dylan as like you know it's got this like gravelly voice that sounds well traveled maybe that's a good way to put it the cover uh just seems to ooze what was cool at that time like he's right. kind yeah. of giving a look like he doesn't care uh <laughs> you know he's got a motorcycle shirt on his hair's you know kind of his hair is blowing in the wind um Ooh. and uh <laughs> and he's holding sunglasses right and and a, and a sort of designer shirt it just looks uh i'm i'm imagining it, it was it was hip the photo is is funny because it's it's very candid. There's somebody standing behind him, right? You can't see them. You can only see them from about the belly button down. You can't even see right. their feet. They're holding uh, a camera, and you can see his hand in his pocket, and that's it. I mean, that's not a stage shot. If it was a stage no. shot, it'd be like, ah, oh, Willie, get out of the way, you know? Like, but it's just kind of a picture. Maybe they're in the studio. Maybe they were just hanging out somewhere. And- well, here's a theory. He's, you can only see one hand. This may be the first selfie. Oh, <laughs> it, uh, it does just appear like casual, like, um, someone's messing around with a camera and you know, this was, they liked the look of his face or something. I thought Vincent van Gogh had the first selfie. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's a bad joke. You can cut that one out. Only nine tracks on this album. Okay. And they are like a rolling stone. Tombstone Blues. It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. From a Buick Six. Ballad of a Thin Man. Queen Jane, approximately. Highway 61 revisited. Just like Tom Thumb's Blues. Desolation Row. And like I said before, I don't think I'd heard of any of these songs other than like a Rolling Stone. Maybe Ballad of a Thin Man. That one might have been one that I was familiar with, at least in name. Were there any songs that jumped out to you in any way when when you gave it a first listen? Okay, here's the first hint of my reaction to this album. Tracks two through nine, I cannot picture that song. I cannot... (laughs) With uh, the previous three albums, as we go through the tracks, I could hear every single song as the title was said. I've got nothing. Um, I can go back and, like, click through, uh, you know, Spotify and tell you that uh, the third song often stuck out for some reason. I think it's just got this, like, kind of sauntering cowboy pace. It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a uh, train to cry. Um... There is a line in there, and again, I have no idea which song it's even from. Something about calling someone a cow, yes, and you give them the milk anyway. I don't remember what song that's from, but it might be Battle of the Thin Man. Yeah, it's one of those. We're pulling at, at some threads here. I actually really like the final track. Uh, does it? It's just like probably twice as long as it needs to be. Uh, yep. 11, 11 minutes, 21 seconds. It's probably my favorite song. Yeah, I guess the only one that stands out when I look at the track list is Like a Rolling Stone because it's the only one that 
I can come up with some semblance of a memorable aspect. So I've I've put my cards on the table there, I guess. What what about you? I feel similar because I'm looking through and I can't I can't remember them all how they sound. And I think some of them just kind of fade away as a generic sort of bluesy jam rock song. Uh, the one that's really stuck in my head is Queen Jane approximately and as I listened through and was trying to pick out ones I like, that's one that kept jumping out. I hear the melody in my head and there's a comment that we talked about in preparation for this that, and it was an article that I read too, that some of the best Bob Dylan songs you've heard are ones that have been done by other people. Yep. This is a song that I would love to hear done by someone else much more polished because the melody is, is wonderful. It's quite nice. I want to listen yeah. to it, but the harmonica and all the guitars that are out of tune, it drives me nuts. It's got a kind of uh, slightly off-tune piano in that one too, uh, right? It's like, like every yeah. instrument, is, and I don't understand it. And maybe someone who's researched this would be like, oh, no, this is what happened, dude. But <laughs> it's like someone's producing this album. Was there no one there who was like, oh, uh, Bob, you've got to tune that guitar. Like It sounds awful. <laughs> Hold on. Let's just take five minutes and tune this guitar. Was no one there to say that? Were they all high? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, or was that was that what they were trying to create? I was listening to this, and I and I was sharing this with my wife, and she said, "Well, do you know what the song's about?" I said, uh, "I don't know. It's, it's, he likes a girl. I don't know." She's like, "Well, maybe you should research what the song's about <laughs> first, and then once you do that, maybe the way they." produced it would make more sense i don't think that necessarily applies to this song however uh, it did make me think about it a little more critically like does it are we just obsessed especially in with the technology we have today are we obsessed yeah. with it, everything being perfect where bob and the guys just getting together and jamming and really really enjoying what they were doing and it didn't matter whether it was perfect or not i mean i think or was it an ironic jab to say like you all think music is supposed to be overproduced and i'm gonna sell something that's not i don't know maybe it's ironic i'm sure someone out there has asked the question of bob and the other people involved in this track and other songs was that intentional we could probably find that but that's a good question i'd love to know was it intentional or was it something they just missed or if they did miss it, does it just kind of paint a picture of that time? But then I listened to, like, we're going to talk next time about Rubber Soul. And it was done in the same year. Uh, and it's, like, flawless. Right. It's crisp. It's well-produced. It's, you know, there's, you can't even put them beside each other and go, yeah, this is the same time. It's totally different. It's not like they didn't have the technology or the experience or producers who knew what they were doing. They had that. Right. But they didn't, they didn't execute it here. And again, I'm not saying that was a mistake, personally. Um, but it certainly is interesting, and it gives the album a very specific texture. But that song, I really do like the melody. There's a lot of things I like about it. And the, the lyrics throughout this, again, it's poetry. Some of it is cryptic, a little confusing, um, but certainly very interesting, uh, a lot of it. Queen Jane sounds more out of tune than the whole rest of the album so it's not just that you know everything was off the whole time like it almost seems intentionally out of tune there 
Well, and and that's I did consider that that maybe that maybe that was intentional, but it's just almost too much. All the way through this entire album, I kept thinking like, if everything was in tune and there was a person who was actually able to sing, would I be loving this right now? And I'm not sure that it would make much difference. That sounds horrible to say. Uh, but I think the the genius of Bob Dylan is the poetry. Yes. And so I, I think music, the musicality of this is secondary. The whole point of most of Bob Dylan, and I don't want to say this definitively, but the point of most of Bob Dylan's music is the story. Yeah. He was a storyteller, a poet, and... Yes, he made some great music, and, and I'm not saying he's not a good musician or he didn't enjoy music and strive to make really, really good music. I don't want to say that because I don't think that would be fair or accurate. But the point of it, I think, primarily, as you said, is the lyrics, and they're certainly certainly interesting, if nothing else. Absolutely. But I think some of them are, are compelling, for sure. I think they're frequently lost in layers of complexity. For someone who gets a Nobel Prize for his piece work. You know, I'm, <laughs> I spend most of my time, I get paid to work at peace and social justice movements, and I don't really understand what he's saying. Maybe, maybe it's lost in translation, you know, a couple of generations later, but I want him to be a bit more pointed. There's other, there's other artists out there, other folk artists specifically, who could be more pointed with their uh, critique of society. He just seems like he's trying to trying to make everything sort of more nuanced and hidden. I don't know. Maybe I want I wanted to be a bit poppier. Maybe this is <laughs> this is my hang up. Uh, what do you think about the slide whistle at the beginning of Highway 61 revisited? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it reminds me of a red whistle I had when I was a kid that sounded just like that. I want to say it's the one that has like a spinning thing in it. The faster yep. and the harder you blow it, the higher pitch it goes, right? Our kids have a set of fake mustaches that uh, they have a whistle hidden in them that makes the same sound. Yeah. And maybe it meant something different in 65, but to me it's just, it sounds so silly. It's just like... yeah. Maybe there's so much more intention in all this than we understand, and maybe we don't get the nuances, but some of it I listen to this and go like, ah, what's going on? Well, I am held up against Pet Sounds, which was just two two weeks ago. That had all kinds of quirky instrumentation, but never a point where we were like, that's bizarre. You know, it all sort of worked and all kind of clicked together. Um, You know, there are do- there are literally dogs barking on that album, and I never thought like, well that that probably doesn't need to be there. Um, but yeah, that that whistle, you're right. Here's a question I I need to be asking myself. I was giving the Beatles a pretty hard time for um, cultural appropriation. Mm. Um, Dylan is taking Southern, predominantly African American. Uh, blues rock and and bringing it to mainstream here should we be as critical of this sound as we were of the Beatles dragging sitar music into their albums I don't know if we can fairly compare the two because that style of blues rock would have been very familiar 
in the U.S., in the southern states, even in the northern states, there was lots of well-known blues artists. But not mainstream. You don't think so? Is this before, like, a B.B. King or a, a, a Robert, B. Robert B. Johnson? I think he was inspired by Robert B. Johnson. No, I don't think so. I but think those he guys might... are much better. <laughs> uh, no argument there for me. But if anything, I guess you could say that maybe introduced that sound to a different demographic. Right. But I don't have a problem with that. I have a lot of other problems. Well, if you think about the the Western audience, even today, and I'll use the word ignorance, at, even today when we have everything at our fingertips, you know, in terms of culture and music and anything we want, now put it back in 1966, 67, and what the Beatles were doing with putting entire songs that were Hindustani style on an album, that would have been just like nothing anyone had ever heard. I think this would be at least familiar uh, to a lot of people. Familiar instrumentation, very familiar style. So, yeah. no, I don't think it's in the same way, but perhaps introducing that style to a new demographic, and I think that's great. We're only a year removed from the whole electric switch Right controversy. This is this is probably st- still fairly experimental. Uh, he's in some ways. I think he's probably still trying to figure out his own sound right. with this album. Yep. It makes me want to go back and revisit earlier stuff and later stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar, similar. I think to uh, the way I felt after really giving Pet Sounds uh, a good listen again. Uh, how does this fit with the larger canon? And I guess fortunately for us. Uh, this list is going to force us to tackle a few more Dylan albums. Um, we're not done by any means after getting through this one. Maybe he'll grow on us a little more, and maybe we'll we'll understand his diversity a little better. Only time will tell. I think that you can do experimental and still make it sound polished yeah. and orchestrated. And that's when I think about Pet Sounds and Revolver and Peppers. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're experimental, but they're but they're well orchestrated. This is a little experimental, but just kind of sounds again like a bunch of guys jamming, which certainly has its place. Yeah, just what place does it have? Does it have its place here? Do you have any memories? To, uh, we hadn't heard this album. We both said we have, so you don't have any memories. You really didn't grow up with this or had heard it before. You heard anything before? Do you have any memories of like a Rolling Stone? Oh, absolutely. But often as a um, joke, like I remember it coming on in the field and everyone coming out with their best, like half drunk drawl impression of, "Ah, you know, like (laughs) I think by the time, by the time, uh, you know, we came along, Dylan had moved from being the image of cool to kind of like, Mm the old guy who thinks he's still cool. I I think that's, that's an overstatement. There's still po- probably lots of our peers who appreciate Dylan and his sound, but I think we, you know, we've asked every, every time so far, does this album hold up? Does it sound dated? And I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. I think <laughs> in some ways it feels really dated. Each song you can tell sort of what, what point of musical history he sort of, trying to emulate 
And you can also hear the way that his songs have influenced the artists who followed. But like a Rolling Stones, the only one that ever gets any kind of airplay these days. So I don't think it's held up much at all. That's a very interesting question for this album. If you, if I were to listen to this album and I didn't know who he was, what his context was in terms of a year and didn't know when the album was released and you said, when was this album released? I might've said late fifties. Yep. Yeah. Late forties, fifties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like it's that it's really sounds more like a blues album. It does not sound in terms of recording quality. It doesn't sound like the albums are released at the same time. Influential, sure. Historically, you know, it, it was it was it uh, trend setting. Yeah, was it was it really well recorded and produced? No. Does it sound great? No. Are there some <laughs> are there some catchy tunes on it? Yeah, couple. A couple. Um, I, I I think I just finally kind of got it a little better, and I really I'm not a lyric guy, and I was really trying to listen to the lyrics. Dylan is. He's a poet. Dylan is a poet, and really, he's writing poems and putting them to music. That's his career. Yeah, that one article that that I had shared back and forth was uh, saying that you know what does it say about an artist when your favorite renditions of their songs are by other people? And <laughs> I think that's interesting. That uh, yeah, you know, maybe that does say something more. Like Carol King is kind of that way. She writes incredible songs, but often gets remembered for writing them and not performing them. I find her a whole lot more enjoyable to listen to. You can almost smell the stale beer of the uh, <laughs> deep, deep South bar that this guy is playing in. He's probably 65. Uh, yeah. He has the same guitar yeah. that's like cracked and that's why he can't get it to be in tune. <laughs> Just relentless. Hey eh, bud. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it doesn't sound, it does sound dated, but it sounds Dated at a time before it was actually recorded. Uh, so yeah. it definitely dated. And is it relevant? I would say some, I'd say <laughs> generally, generally no. Yeah. The lyrics to me are not relevant because most of them, I, I, I don't get the context. I don't understand them. Some of them a little bit musically like a Rolling Stone is a little bit only because it's so popular. We've heard it. The rest again are very bluesy. They're almost like they're stuck even a decade earlier than it came. So right. no, I wouldn't say it's overly relevant in any way or, or, and it is definitely very, very dated musically. It puts a very specific time stamp on it and it's perhaps not even from the sixties. Uh, my oldest child is eight. And I said, what do you think of this? When I was listening the other day and she said, so he, he he can't really sing, can he? And, oh. uh, <laughs> and I thought, so either he's a genius in that he can sell albums, even though he doesn't have a whole lot of musical talent, or he was just a trickster who you know, fooled the world into thinking he was amazing. I'm not sure. Oh, and maybe that's just what he wanted to do. He just, that was maybe. how he wanted to present his, his art. Yep. I think that's true. There are many times on this album where he says a line and I think that's really clever. That's a clever line where it sort of falls apart for me is that I just don't see how it fits with the rest that's of the right. song yeah. or the rest of the album. It, it's like in hip hop where they do eight lines in a row that all rhyme. And it's like, 
congratulations, you know, <laughs> good, good for you. You, you know, we teach kids to do that in grade one. It's not, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not impressive. But, I can't um, wait until we get to the Jay-Z album. Oh it's boy. Really <laughs> I don't want to go. I'm not ready to go there yet. <laughs> well, we don't. Oh, the one more line that took me about, that I is very clever, that took me about five listens to get. I didn't get it. Uh, looks up at the sky and says, the sun's not yellow, it's chicken. And I kept thinking that he was referring to the color of a chicken like five times listening through it. And finally I got it. Yellow and chicken. Like yellow. a freak. Coward. Yeah. Yes. And, and I was like, ah. Oh. But you're right. Boy, I feel dumb for not getting it, but that is very clever. But again, in the context, it's, it's just kind of, it's just. It takes too long to get there. But it's just stuck in there. Yeah. Nothing around it has anything to do with that. Yep. Um, so it's like clever, but anyways, we don't need to, we don't need to beat up on this album too, too much longer, do we? And we have to save some in just five more albums. We get Blonde on Blonde, so. Maybe that one's really good. After listening to a bunch of times, I did like this album a little bit. It wasn't that I totally hated it. It wasn't that it's the worst thing I've ever heard. There were some moments that I really, really enjoyed. Um, the problem I have with this album is answering the question, was the position on the list sound logic? No. I'm going to say no. I can't comprehend a world where you can create a list where there are only three albums ever created that are better than this album. Amen. I think Bob Dylan's influential. The song gave the name to the magazine and another band, so that's important. But in terms of sonically, I cannot I cannot understand why you would only think that three albums are better than this. Uh, I could put it in the top 100 and maybe the top 50 because just because of in the influence it had but in terms of listenability and how great it sounds um this position just doesn't make sense to me i am not a person who says 110 percent, but i agree with you 110 percent. and um oh, thank you. <laughs> we may be tipping our hand a little bit on what the two of us need out of an album to call it great. I mean, we're not interested in just well, something's uh, artistic genius. We want it to also really resonate musically with us. And for whatever reason, it doesn't happen I can, on this album for us. And even beyond that, I can appreciate that the people who created this list are looking at what's influential. I can yeah. appreciate that. And maybe they felt obligate, obligated to put this so high because the namesake it's the namesake of the magazine they're writing for. Sure. The magazine was named after the song that's on this album. Well, boys, we got to put this pretty high. I could appreciate that, but I just don't agree with it. Yeah. Anything else to add? I mean, we kind of... This was the first week. We only got four albums in on the list before we start absolutely trashing an album um does that does that mean we're we're petty i think that an album ranked this high deserves a lot of scrutiny sure it's tough at the top this is not album like if this album like you said if this album was positioned at number 98 i think we'd be feeling like well it's not quite our thing but you know i can see why it ends up on the list it certainly is influential um, 
You know, he's a brilliant artist. But that's not where the album is situated. The album needs, you know, I was I was giving the Beatles a hard time for a couple of tracks on those two albums that I feel like are not great tracks. And this feels like a whole album of of songs. <laughs> not great tracks. Not great tracks. That's not entirely <laughs> true. I think Rolling Stone is a great song. You know, we've already gone over it. There are songs there that I can in I can appreciate. You maybe even enjoy. As soon as your ears stop bleeding. <laughs> no, no, it's not like that. It's not like that. Uh, I would listen to this more than Baby Shark, I think. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's not thumbs down. We can see there's good there. It's, there are redeeming it, qualities. It just doesn't need to be this high on the list. It's not relevant to me right now. Yeah. Yep. I don't appreciate a lot of the things on it. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad album per se 100 percent, and i do not think it should be where it is on this list and that's that's the bottom line what do we have next time well next time we're going to come back to our third beatles album so far ranked at number five is rubber soul now that's going to be a great album it certainly is we want to thank you for hanging in there with us and we hope you will join us again next time If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that classic episode of ours. Tune in next time for the next album on the new 2020 Rolling Stone list.